Welcome to the That Don't Fit podcast, a podcast where we're dedicated to talking about life and life's real issues that cross racial and generational lines. My name is Jared Torrance, and I'm here with my co-host, Andy Farmer. We're friends, we're pastors, we're wanting to help people talk and process life in a crazy world. Welcome to the conversation. All right, <laughs> welcome back for another episode of That Don't Fit. Uh, today, we're going to continue our conversations about um, how to have productive conversations around race and ethnicity. Last week, we talked about the importance of a theological, biblical foundation for having these conversations and how that is of utmost importance. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that episode because everything we will be discussing like hinges on, on that being there and that being the uh, the main basis for why these things matter and how we ought to uh, speak about these things. So yeah, this week we're going to look at the role of experience, uh, personal life experience and how that uh, is one of those, you know, uh, we've, we've been working off that model of the, uh, what are those things called? Turn travel, circle. travel circles, mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, travel circles and how there's all these different things coming into the conversations of, of race and ethnicity and it's never just a straight shot. And so uh, one of the roads that we're going to come across is everybody is coming into the conversations with personal experience. And uh, Andy, you wanted to start off by uh, telling us. Yeah. Story. Yeah. I was thinking about this um, and how to jump into it. And this story, this experience came into my mind that I couldn't get out of. And it's, I'm going to take us back to like 1994, which I don't want to even know how old you were. <laughs> I will, I will keep that a secret. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so I'm sitting in my house in upper Darby. Um, we're, you know, if you're not part of our church, we're in the Philadelphia area. And so Upper Darby's a suburb right outside the city. And so I'm sitting in my house and it's 1994 and PBS was running sort of the, for the first time this, uh, this Ken Burns documentary on baseball, you know, baseball fans. So, so every night I was turning on PBS on my, you know, my TV, I had four channels and, <laughs> and I'm turning on PBS, uh, and I'm, watching the, the the show and I'm we're up to like uh, I think they called it the eighth inning and it was the start of the 1960s but the the documentary it opened up with and I want to date myself here and but you know the guys of my generation will catch this the funeral of Ty Cobb Ty Cobb was one of the great early baseball players but a very controversial guy and so they open up with footage of his funeral including, him his casket being taken to the cemetery and i i forget the point he was making kind of by that but what i realized was my great-grandfather was in that video because my great-grandfather was a was a pallbearer at ty cobb's funeral and uh had grown up with him uh in north georgia and uh and so I'm sitting there, like, I mean, if you picture, I'm sitting there in yeah. my house in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, watching a video on PBS from right. the 19, from 1960 of my f- great-grandfather who had died in the late 60s, yeah. who I only knew a little bit from going up to their house. But it was just this surreal experience. And I remember thinking, man, you can't get away from your past. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's part of who you are. And it's, you know, and I wasn't trying to, I wasn't right. thinking about it, but I realized, yeah, that world, that world is part of my world that I've come from there. I, mm-hmm. you know, those, those people, they were mountain folks and, uh, up in North Georgia and, um, and those are my people sort of sp- 
you know, kind of in my mind even there, what was that like? Because I, I had moved, I had changed in life, but I was still tied very much to that mm-hmm. heritage. And the reason I bring that up here is because I feel like that, that we think about this idea of personal experience and we kind of think about what's happened to me, mm. you know, and that's a very important part of personal experience. We all have memories of things happened to us or things that we had or didn't have or those kind of things. But we also have this more almost intangible sense of personal history that's embedded in where we've come from. Yeah. And I think a lot of conversation about race discounts not just personal experience that we remember having, but where we've come from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's kind of where I, I kind of went with this and started to realize, yeah, I got I to gotta think about myself in a bigger way than just my personal experience. There's a tendency to sort of say, I never experienced that or it never happened to me or that, right, you know, right. or whatever, yeah. or I never saw that happen. And yes. then sort of say that it must not be real. Right. But there's a whole history, man. That, that history for me is my, my folks, my, you know, they grew up in the Jim Crow era. They, mm-hmm. you know, they, it was a segregated South back then. I, I remember growing up in the segregated South. I remember uh, being in Atlanta um, you know, when Dr. King was killed and yeah. just kind of knowing the experience of kind of walking through that as a white kid yeah. uh, in 1968 and, mm. and those things and how they shape you. Uh, and so, so as we jump into this topic, I just wanted to kind of just open it up with just, yeah, let's just talk about some, some shaping realities, not yeah. just maybe things that we remember ourselves, but some shaping realities. Maybe JT, you can I've given you one, yeah, and I can give some more, but just shaping realities for you that sort of, this is who I am based on these things. Yeah, that's good. You know, I feel like my parents did a really good job of preparing us to live as minorities mm-hmm. in America. You know, we had a lot of conversations about, you know, how to present ourselves, a lot of conversations um, about... about um, you know, we, we've got to always put our very, very, very best foot forward yeah. and just preparing us in a way of just, um, you know, the talks that we would have before going out to Walmart or, you know, we weren't allowed to go to Walmart in our sweatpants. We always had yeah. to put our jeans on and get nicer uh, shirts on mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, because my mom's around with four little kids and things like that. And, you know, people are coming with assumptions uh, to seeing those types of things. And just um, I, I think we've just always always had to be a, a step above and beyond all the people around us because, mm-hmm. you know, the perception in reality is that when people see you, they're going to see you as a little bit lesser than, yeah. you know, so we have to come in combating that already. And so our parents just always encouraged us to, you know, walk with dignity, be dignified and, and uh, be extra respectful and certain things like that. Go the extra mile to, you know, to help others, um, see us in, in a way that's a bit more appropriate to who we are so yeah so i think that's always kind of been there just kind of that sort of like parenting model of of putting our, our best foot forward and things like that i'm trying to think of a person like you know and uh okay so for example you have those kind of talks growing up yeah. and uh you know i remember the first time i got called uh, the n-word was when i was in third grade and, uh, you know, I was in the lunchroom with some friends and we got into an argument and, you know, everybody kind of has that in their back pocket as yeah. the ultimate insult that will take you out no matter what. And uh, he used that term. And, uh, you know, it's the first time you actually question mm-hmm. like, oh, it, am I other? 
it's it's where kind of all the preparation that your parents have for you and different things like that. It's where it all kind of comes to reality. When that word is flung at you, yeah. you're just like, oh man, I am like outside of majority culture. I am yeah. different. I am other. And you know, and you and you question things and you kind of wrestle um, through that. And you know, um, on a separate note, having a conversation about my parents was just you know our skin color and what, and what we're like and uh, why certain things are the way they are uh, growing up. My parents did a, I think they did a really good job of just like prepping me that things are going to be different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I hope that answers some. some yeah. Well, since you're talking, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm listening. I'm thinking, yeah, I don't think my, my background gives me a sense of the power of labels, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think, you know, what you're describing, you know, the, the, the N-word, other, I mean, and I think historically any any ethnic group, there's yeah. there's going to be a pejorative yep. um, attached to them. And, and how much freight that carries, yeah. because it seems like every negative possible connotation mm-hmm. can, be, can be put into one single word yes. and dumped on somebody. And I think that's one of the things, you know, in terms of differences— I think that's something I, that's that's I've always had to wrestle with. I need to I need to view those words mm-hmm. with the weight that, they, that they should have. Yeah, and the fear they provoke. Yeah, uh, yeah. For me, um, it's interesting. Again, growing up in the South, uh, when I moved up here, um, I was early twenties. Grew up in the South, lived in the South all my life, and it was interesting one of the things that really shaped or affected me mm-hmm. was i grew up here and nobody talked about the civil war like it just wasn't relevant yeah and i'm like i grew up where everything between statues and yeah, yeah. you know and names of streets and right. everything else everything has a civil war reference and it was shocking to mm-hmm. me that the civil war didn't matter up here well cuz the north won yeah. And it wasn't generally fought up here, and <laughs> yeah. so and so I I had this awareness of how much I was shaped by a, you know a sense of being of growing up in a part of the country that had lost a war. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And and that's you know people again it's one of those things where you want to think the civil war issues are all race issues, but mm-hmm. they're much more complicated than that. They they have to do with being. You know, again, thinking from a from a deeply embedded Southerner, right? From being an occupied people, hmm. <laughs> which is what happened after the Civil War, yeah. Of and and again, you know, we'll talk more about you know history, history and those yeah. kind of things. But but that was something that I realized, you know, my, nobody up here understand what it was lost to lose a war until Vietnam, yeah. in a sense. And so it was part of the Southern perspective on life. And so I came up here and I realized. Okay, that's very different, and I'm having to adjust to that. And uh, I mean, we were very like I tell people one time. It just just tells you, you know, my mentality. Georgia Bulldogs played uh, Notre Dame in 1980 uh, national championship game one, 1710. Um, Herschel Walker. Uh, but up until that time in 1980, I was a junior in college, and. I thought Notre Dame was in Boston. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know it's in Indiana. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, so picture this. Here's a guy. I'm a I'm a college junior, right? 
And I looked on the map, and Notre Dame is like in the middle of the country. <laughs> Why? Because I just thought it was Yankee. Yeah. You know, and everything Yankee is up that direction. Yes. Like I had never been up here, and so to me it was all just there's Yankees and then there's us, and and that's this idea, you know. So that idea of being a Southerner mm-hmm. has a lot of connotations to it. Yeah. And uh, complexities to it, mm-hmm. and it it informs how I interact over things. Yeah. Um, you know, just one one brief thing on race in particular. I I don't think it's the, it's the the uh, the same now as uh, I, I'm sure it isn't the same now as it was. But Maynard Jackson, who was the uh, mayor of Atlanta back in uh, 70s, um, he's talking about he's talking about uh, racism and how how being black is different in the North and the South. And he said, and I'm, I'm just gonna make sure I say this right, but he yeah. said. In the South, you know, talking about how whites view blacks, people don't care how close you are as long as you don't get too high. Mm. And in the North, they don't care how high you are Just don't as long as you get too close. Wow. And when I moved up, I thought, that's it, wow. man. Yeah. You know, it's different now. I mean, because, you know, there's, there's, there's time has passed, but... Wow. That was a huge thing for me. I realized, yeah, this is not like the North isn't a racist place. It just functions yeah, differently. Functions differently. That's like, good. don't get close to me. Yeah. And uh, so those are some shaping influence that I w- that that were never part of my thinking yeah. or even conscious ability to pull up. Yeah. But they just function there mm-hmm. for me. And uh, and I know there are more. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, I feel like most of my <laughs> most of uh, the things I, I don't I don't do consciously but are just kind of a part of yeah is like trying to make people feel comfortable mm-hmm. around me mm-hmm. you know mm. as a uh, six foot on a good day five eleven three fourths however you want to say it uh, <laughs> like three hundred we'll call pounds. you six we'll call you six, yeah we'll man. yeah we'll do, we'll for do this, six for this podcast you are six foot <laughs> as you know a six foot three hundred pound black man um, there's and you're two sixty. Yes, yes, I like that. Six okay. foot two sixty. Let's <laughs> let's do let's run those That's for numbers. The record. That's for the record. <laughs> it's just you know I um, I'm aware that my my presence causes uh, fear. Yeah, um, it's part of the reason why I'm I'm always laughing all the time because laughter is disarming mm. and laughter humanizes people. Yeah, um, yeah. and. Um, you mean I'm not that funny? <laughs> See, no, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> just, I'm just trying to humanize you. Human. Oh no, no, no! I am a joyful guy, uh, but <laughs> that's good. Well, keep it up because I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's just certain things we I I do that um, you know, I, I try to uh, make me as approachable as as possible, and uh, sometimes it works and and sometimes it doesn't. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just a, a couple of weeks ago, you know, um, that was probably, I don't know, well, I don't know what date is even more. 2020 is such a strange year. It's probably a couple months ago now. But I, I had the, the police called on me uh, when I was working out at a, at a local high school. Hmm. And um, I, was, I was working out on the track and things like that. And I had my kids with me, uh, yeah. by God's grace. You know, I was running on the track, doing different things like that. And, you know, we were, we were packing up and I, and the high school was like, like the track and the, and the athletic fields are way, way, way in the back. It's a, it's a yeah. big high school. Yeah. And I see these police officers flying down uh, the, the, the road and they pull over into the, uh, across the parking lot from me. 
Yeah. And I'm just like, okay. Like there was, there was one other older gentleman in the parking lot. Uh, he was on his phone earlier. And, uh, you know, in those moments, like I just immediately go to, okay, how can I humanize myself? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had my cute little girls, Eleanor and Charlotte get out of the car. You know, I had like their tri- their tricycle and their bikes. And so I'm like essentially holding them up in the air as I'm putting them into the back of the vehicle, uh, just to show them like, I've got my kids here. Like I'm not, I don't know why you were called, <laughs> um, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, by God's grace, like the police officers hopped out of the vehicle. Uh, they looked at me intently and then they shuffled papers in the back of the vehicle and then drove off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was I was grateful that they kind of saw and assessed the situation and then decided this is not worth like following up on. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I want to assume the best. I want to have charitable judgment. Like maybe they did just decide to drive half a mile to the back of the high school and shuffle papers and then leave. Yeah. Uh, but that's very unlikely. And uh, then, you know, the gentleman who was leaving, and it was just us two, me and the, and the other guy. A gentleman who was uh, driving away, you know, I tried to like look at him and wave goodbye, and he just like wouldn't even look me mm, in the eyes, just mm. just uh, head straight forward, and yeah. it's just one of those moments that's just frustrating. Yeah. Uh, one of those moments that's just like, but also like a moment that I can't let like mess me up because it's, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna happen in a couple of weeks anyway. Yeah. You know, we were, uh, you know, it's, and it's helpful when I can have people to de-escalate the situation. So we were at Costco. It was probably about three weeks ago. Um, Maybe it was a little bit longer now, but uh, we were at Costco and uh, my son <laughs> opened the door. You know, he's he was five at the time. He's a little reckless, but he opened the door and it, it tapped uh, a vehicle next to us. And Bethany, uh, my wife, who is white, uh, was on the other side of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And so all this lady saw was my son and me. And she exits her vehicle and gets in my face uh, telling me that your son just smashed my car with his door. What are you going to do about it? And, you know, there was like, there's like a little tiny mark there, but, you know, I, I knew not to engage. And so I was like, hey, Bethany, um, can you can you come speak with this lady? And so mm-hmm. I just continued putting the things in the back and Bethany comes around. The situation, her tone completely changes. Yeah. Bethany goes over and like rubs out the little tiny mark on the car. Yeah. And uh, and literally says, you guys need to watch your watch your kid a little better. Mm-hmm. And then she got in the car and drove off. And it's just like those little moments like that uh, happen often. And I wish when Bethany got involved, it didn't completely change the scenario. Yeah, but yeah. there's been so many that I'm just like, oh, I need the help of my wife here. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, this could be not a, a great situation. Yeah. And I've got to keep myself in check in those moments of of not just uh, tapping into their anger and yeah. tapping into uh, what else has been going on in her day. You know, sure, yeah. uh, what if hopefully it's not just my existence that yeah. has made her upset. Yeah. I'm sure there's other things going on, but yeah. yeah, those, those kind of interactions and things. Sure. Yeah. And what it does for me is it, it just, you know, it's a very tangible thing for me because it makes it, makes me aware that if I engage with uh, a person of color, it could be, I mean, again, yeah. you know, we're probably talking about black, white, but right. I think this can relate to folks. I don't, I don't presume they're presently wrestling with any of that. Yeah. I presume they're kind of equilibrium, you know, I wouldn't presume that you came off of that. You know, we we have a conversation the next day and you're not processing Mm -hmm. that to me, I'm dropping into the conversation and I'm just coming because, Oh, I saw something on the news or I saw this or I, and I think just even that, just that recognition that, that, and again, everybody processes things that, that hit our lives. But I Mm -hmm. think for me, 
just being reminded that that you know particularly my my uh, my black brothers and sisters they're 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 ha- they have a habit of having to process things that I don't yeah. and they're often in the middle of that when we enter into conversations mm-hmm. yeah and so they're operating already from a sense of of vulnerability uh, that I don't have um, and uh, and it's rare that I feel vulnerable in mm-hmm. these conversations um, I usually come from a you know, in fact, my my problem is I come from what I call what I think is objective. Well, I just had this question. Yes. You know, yeah. but it's it hits somebody else in a different way. That's good. Um, so that's very sobering for me because I feel like yeah, I this isn't a an exercise in philosophical dialogue over race. Right. 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 You know, it's not that. It's never Man, that. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. So the and and I think that's 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 something that makes these things so difficult is. There's people that want to engage these conversations that have the ability to just engage at a philosophical, political, yeah. et cetera level. Yeah. There's there's no real life uh, implications yeah. for this person. So they're able to have this heady conversation, go into all the, the different directions of these kinds of things. Yeah. But it's like for someone that's like dealing with that daily, it's hard to me to stay up in the stratosphere of, of yeah. philosophy. Yeah. Like, because yeah. this is like, you know, this is re- which is we, where I want to keep it. I don't want to make it personal. Right. Yes. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Personal is too personal. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. And you know what? Uh, and even as we're talking about personal experience and how we're thinking through things, something that is is so interesting to me is people get so like people can get so frustrated about you know people saying representation matters and like yeah. the the difference that makes and things like that. People are like representation doesn't matter. Blah blah blah. When you say representation, what do you mean? Like uh, you know so. Um, like black people uh, on TV yeah. uh, or as characters or, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Hispanic brothers and sisters and lead roles of movies and different yeah, yeah. things like that or in books and cartoons. Like if you look at cartoons now, it's it's like the United Nations up in yeah. every single <laughs> little That's click, right. you know, and they're doing these things intentionally. And uh, I've I've benefited from from that happening that like, you know, like. I mean, Isaiah's going to be confused when he finds out George Washington is not like a, a large black man with a smooth, buttery voice. Like, <laughs> like, like, like Hamilton's yeah. going to mess him I know. up, man. Yeah, that's for real, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so, uh, you know, uh, but, but not just in that context, but also, you know, like just the toys that he's playing with. Like yeah. this dude's got Black Panther action figures. Like he's playing with like yeah. an African king. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, th- mm-hmm. those are categories that we just yeah. didn't, ha- didn't, didn't have. have. Didn't have yeah. Captain, like, Captain America is black in the comics right now. Like, yeah. like just, like, just, and even just, well, if like, I watch the last of that, that last movie, I'm <laughs> thinking he's going to be again. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, but th- it's interesting because, you know, um, I was actually just talking uh, with someone about, you know, their, uh, I'm reading through the Chronicles of Narnia with my kids. Yeah. And we're reading, um horse and his boy yeah and you know the, the way they describe the bad guys they talk a lot about their uh the, the the skin colors and the skin tones and things like that and he was asking like okay so how are you like walking through this with your kids and you know there's some parts i'll just there's some lines i'll just kind of skip over about yeah. like specific like their brown skin like i'm just like okay i got i'm not gonna say that thanks c.s lewis but yeah not right now but like it it didn't worry me so much that like you know he's got several books where jesus is like a brown dude yeah 
mm-hmm. and you know he's he's watching superheroes who look a bit more like him and mm-hmm. and so there there is a bit of a joy in this whole like so I, I i guess i'm saying all that to say like you know people get so mad at that representation and all these different kinds of things i was like man it is it's helping me uh, raise my child in a way in which he's not constantly questioning his his dignity. He's not yeah, constantly yeah. questioning his, and you know, and uh, eventually we can get to the point where he'll understand theologically by God's grace, hopefully, you know, uh, of the image of God in him and how that's where his dignity comes from. But it's nice uh, for him to be able to look into the mirror and not think it's flawed. Yeah, his 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 skin color. So, so he gets to be sixteen years old. What would you like yeah. for him to be able to look out at the world and see? A decade away. <laughs> let me let me let it's me think about fast. that. It is. I'm sh- I'm sure. Yeah, I would I would like for him. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. What do I want Isaiah to look out in ten years and see? I I would love for him to see. Uh, <laughs> t- uh, here is here it is. I would like him to see regularity in diversity, not to the point where it's not even talked about, but to the yeah. point where it's recognized celebrated and that uh there's clear tie-ins not to some sort of like worldly agenda where we're doing Mm -hmm. all this kind of thing but the tie-ins of just like dude this is like kind of what the new heavens and the new earth are gonna look like right where there's tie-ins of like this is part of god's vision for the church uh to to be for the gospel to go out in in so many different nations by so many i mean all tribes Mm -hmm. all nations all all that kind of stuff and that he would be able to celebrate and learn things about other cultures as well and uh yeah that that would just be a part of what happens i think that would be that would bring joy to my to my little heart to see him just uh running around with a bunch of people some that look like him some that don't some that look completely different in the mall to just love each other Mm -hmm. as we're supposed to yeah good good yeah what the thing that uh maybe just kind of turn a corner a little bit um the thing I've learned is the necessity to listen, mm-hmm. to let people share their thoughts fully yeah. without looking to, you know, so much of dialogue is not really dialogue. It's mutual <laughs> monologue. It's okay. It's, you know, I'll say this, then you say yes. this. And at a, a friend of mine um, at, at Risen Hope, uh, we, we would have conversations and he was very, he was very courageous in having him. Uh, he was teaching me a lot and having him. And, uh, you know, one of the things he said to me was he said, uh, he said, if I'm talking to somebody, I'm talking to a white guy um, and he wants to talk about race. I, you know, I treat that as sincere, mm-hmm. you know, um, he's taking a step and I, and he said, but if I kind of know the kind of answers I'm going to get from him yes. to let me know whether he really wants to have a conversation. Yeah. And he said, so I'll ask him a few questions or say a couple of things just to see what he'll respond. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and if I get certain responses, I'll just know, okay, I'm not going to open certain doors. Yeah, exactly. We'll have a conversation, yes. but it's going to be yeah. kind of on these familiar things. Cause the goal at that point mm-hmm. is to get out without getting hurt. Yes. You know, both of us, mm-hmm. you know, let's just not get into conflict, yeah. but it stays light. Mm-hmm. He says, if I get, you know, people, if I hear a guy, he listens to what I say and he's, Again, the guy's really cool because he's not saying you need to validate everything right. I'm saying. Right. But if you're willing to let me talk in a way that you don't start to back up of what I'm saying, mm-hmm. then I feel like we can go deeper. And I'm willing to talk about my own issues. Exactly. 
you know, but I don't want to bring my own issues to the table if you're going to bring my issues to the table. Right. That's, oh, that's so good. And, uh, and so there are a couple of conversations. I, I, I would watch his face and I'd say, I, I just did it, didn't I? Right, <laughs> okay, okay. Help me back up. Yes. Okay, good. And, you know, so that I, I need that help. Yeah. Because good. I don't know those, you know, those things that make somebody sort of feel like, okay, we can have a conversation, but I'm going to keep it at a certain level. And when I had those conversations at a certain level, I could just as soon read. Yeah. I don't need to talk. You know, I could get that from somewhere else. <laughs> Bang. Um, so, so part of that is just, you know, this idea of how do I listen? Um, and I think it's a two-way street. Yeah. But I, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a huge point. Like, I'm just affected at hearing that brother talk about it. Because that's another thing I don't realize that I do. Mm-hmm is you kind of test the waters, yeah. see where people are at, and we have to adjust the conversation um, accordingly to, to help maintain that kind of unity. And um, there are points where we can go deeper. There are points where we can do that. But if the, this person's coming to try and throw a, a haymaker and knock me out and, yeah. and question all my prejudgments I've put on other people and say all these kind of things, I'm like, man, we can't really yeah. talk about this right now. Yeah. And, uh, and people don't like hearing that. Uh, people don't like feeling that either, but listening is huge. And uh, I think that can be one of the, the gigantic takeaways is sharing personal experience mm-hmm. and listening to that personal yeah. experience and not trying to either fact check that personal yeah, experience yeah. and not yeah. trying to, uh, yeah. you know, run it through a good grid. Don't edit other people's personal experience, uh, but that's listen. Good. And that's yeah. how well, we can empathize and, and yeah. grow in love in this. Yeah. In one sense, and maybe close enough, you know, we, Personal experience is always subjectively understood, so it doesn't mean that what I what it, what I experienced or the way I interpret what I experienced is always what I think it was. Mm. So we have to be humble that way. Yes, you also have to be humble, recognize that if somebody shares their personal experience, it's not for me to correct that. Right, it is what it is. Yeah, let's accept that and let's find a way to converse about it so we can grow. Um, so that's a. Uh, That's a little bit. We'll be back on that topic in the future. Yeah.